15 through 17. That's Hebrews 13, 15 through 17. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Good morning, everyone, and good morning to those who might be at home viewing us and watching, and a special hello to our visitors who are here. We hope that you enjoy your time time here with us. Before we get into the lesson, I just want to bring up two things. Um, One, I didn't have time to get into the bulletin on time, and that is there's going to be a, a workshop on the last Saturday of the month, so that would be April 29th on how to study the Bible. And so it's going to be divided into three parts. The first part is going to talk about things that we need to keep in mind, principles to interpreting the word. The second one is going to be about how to study your Bible without any help, just pen and paper. And then the third session is going to be how to study the Bible with helps, such as Bible concordances, Bible dictionaries, and other things. And we'll be introducing a Bible program, a free Bible program that you can download on your computer and you can use it toward your Bible study. So I just want to throw that out there. That's on the last Saturday of the month. I'll be putting up a sign-up sheet on the bulletin board so you'll be able to see it for the next few Sundays. And I'm trying to figure out what time to do it. So i got two different time slots. So I have 9 in the morning till noon and 1.30 to 4.30. So if you are interested, mark down your preference, which which one you would rather attend. If I see there's enough for both, then I'll just do a whole day thing and do it twice. So and that'll work out. Uh, the second thing I want to point out is uh, the lesson that, uh, the sermon, the lesson that we're looking at this morning. There's some material that might seem familiar to you if you attend the evening worship services. I had used some of this material in a, in a previous lesson I did, a discussion class. So some of it might seem familiar uh, at the beginning, anyway, some of the, the, the start of it. So So we had the reading from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 to 17. We're going to be talking a little bit about that near the end of the lesson. So in chapter 11, Paul spoke to the Gentiles about the Jews. The Gentiles had become arrogant, thinking they were now the special people of God and that the Lord had rejected the Jews. So Paul is setting things straight, and he says, no, that's not the case. They can still be the people of God, too. They just have to accept Jesus. So Paul made it clear that the Jews could be saved. They just had to repent and come to Christ. And Paul used an olive tree as an illustration. You might remember that we had this lesson. Olive tree as an illustration to make the point that both Jews and Gentiles make up the one body of Christ. And Jesus cares for, for all, for all people who are connected to him. So now we come to chapter 12. And in chapter 12, we see a, a change takes place here. In the previous 11 chapters, Paul was laying down a foundation. He talked about all that God had done not just for his people, the Jews, but also for the Gentiles, to create one body, to bring them together as one body. In the next four chapters, and I say four because the last chapter is just greetings, but the next four chapters, starting in chapter 12, Paul talked about how to live as Christians in light of what God has done. And that's what we're going to explore over the next 
four or five weeks in finishing off the book of Romans. So he, he tells us how to be pleasing and acceptable to God, who is a holy and just God. And so that's what we're going to start off with this morning. What we're going to do is we're going to read verse 1 of Romans chapter 12 to start off. So verse 1 of Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So, as we mentioned, the Gentiles believed that God had abandoned the Jews and made them the special chosen people of God. And with that as a background, it makes sense that Paul would urge them or beg them to change. He's trying to tell them, you can't keep thinking that way. You can't behave that way. He even called them brothers. So he's really being passionate here about trying to get through to them. Paul said, in view of God's mercy. Well, Paul wanted them to remember that they were now forgiven people. You know, in view of God's mercy. They were indeed special to God now that they had been forgiven. But not better than anyone else. And they needed to hear that. They were to be thankful and humble and not become self-righteous as the Jews did. Paul didn't want them to to end up the same way that the Jews ended up. So it is the same for us today. God's mercy should stir us to be humble and grateful people. You know, does it? Do we think about all that God has done, the sacrifice that was made for us? Does it make us humble? Does it make us grateful? It should. We should live every day being thankful to God. We should ask ourselves constantly, how can I please God rather than myself so that we don't become arrogant and self-righteous? So as Paul said, we are to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Many translations say present yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And so we need to be reminded often that we follow and serve a holy God, one whose ways are higher than our ways, whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts, who created the very universe itself. We read about that in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, that God created the universe. He is holy. He expects holy sacrifices. So we're going to look at this idea of living sacrifices in just a moment, but I want to point something out first. I'd like us to look at and think about this idea of presenting ourselves, presenting ourselves to God. Think of this. How would you behave... If you were able to visit, say, the prime minister, use that for example, or maybe your favorite actor or your favorite singer, how would you present yourself to that person? You see a whole bunch of faces. I could have, that's just random. I could have put anything there. But that's just to give us an idea. How would you present yourself to any of these people if you had the opportunity to do so? Wouldn't you be on your best behavior? Wouldn't you be watching out what you say? Wouldn't you want to make a good impression? Well, it's the same way with God. How do we feel with God? Do we not think that way in terms of presenting ourselves as living sacrifices to God? We should have more respect for God than we do any of the people that you see up there. God deserves more from us. And so, would you be on your best behavior? Would you have good manners? What would you say? What would you do? God is us asking us to behave like that, to always present ourselves to him as holy and pleasing. This is our spiritual act of worship, as some translations say, or reasonable act of worship, as some translations say. And in the NIV, it has it as a footnote, 
reasonable. What does that tell you when you hear the word reasonable? It's only reasonable that we behave that way, that we try to present ourselves as living sacrifices to God in view of his mercy. And that's what Paul was saying to the Gentiles here. In view of the way that God treated you, you should present yourselves as holy, as living sacrifices to God. And that applies to us today too, right? How we live our lives, how we serve God while living in these bodies is worship to God. Worship isn't just when we get together on Sunday. This is known as the assembly when the people of God get together on the first day of the week. We usually like to call it our worship service. And that's fine as long as we don't forget that worship to God doesn't end when we leave the building. Worship is all the time. We need to remember that. If we always thought of worship as presenting ourselves to God, then maybe we might approach God with a better attitude, with more respect, as he deserves. And so, living a holy life to please God is our living sacrifice. It is our spiritual act of worship. It is reasonable. It is reasonable. It tells God that we love him and we want to please him. In light of what God has done for us, how does this change the way that we live? If you were to think of all that God has done, how does it change the way that you live? This is what Paul was trying to get across to the Gentiles. It should change the way that you live. They need to be holy all the time, to be careful not to get too full of themselves and fall away. And that's what was going on there. And he's dealing with that problem. And that message is for all of us, for all time. Take a look now at verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Another translation says, and be not fashioned according to this world. And still another version says, don't be like the people of this world. We are to be different than the world. We are to be different in the way that we treat other people. We are to be different in our thinking. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Well, the pattern is immorality. The pattern is being sinful. That's what the world has come to. It is disobedient to God, and we are not to be that way. We are to turn away from sin. We're not to be okay with it. Why? Because we want to please God. That's what it comes down to. We want to please God. We want to please the person who created us. And I don't think that's too much to ask for. So instead of following the pattern of this world, instead of following others into sin, we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Paul wanted these Gentiles to change the way, their way of thinking, to change their lifestyle, to think in a new way, God's way, and allow it to change the way that they live. That's what we're supposed to do. We're to think of what God has done. We're to think of his word and allow it to change us, to change the way that we live. We are to become completely different than the way we were before when we were a Christian. The, there were things that we used to do that maybe we were okay with at that time, but we're not supposed to be okay with those things anymore. We should be changed people. People should see us as different. So when you change the way you think, when you view sin as evil and you turn away from it, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You will be in a state of transformation. You won't be the same person you were before. So I've used this picture in a previous sermon. You might remember it. The guy in your far right, uh, your immediate right, my far left, right at the end there, that's me. That used to be me. I can tell you I feel a lot more comfortable without that beard, that's for sure. But that picture was taken about a year or two before I became a Christian. 
just before I became a Christian. And you notice, I, here I am with a pack of cigarettes in my hand, muscle shirt, beard. I'm a completely different person. That's not me anymore. I gave up my ways. I changed God's word. What God had done for me changed me. And what God has done for you should change you. It should change you from the inside out. You should be transformed. That's what it should do for you and to you. And so, Paul said in chapter 8 that the sinful mindset on fleshly things is hostile to God and those controlled by the sinful flesh cannot please God. If you want to please God, then a change is required. You can't live the way that you used to. A change is required. So turn away from sin and turn to God. We are to present our bodies as living sacrifices, not dead ones, living sacrifices. We are to present ourselves, our very lives, the way that we live while in these bodies, holy and pleasing to God. Take a look now at verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. And so Paul knew about the grace of God, didn't he? He knew more than anyone else. Before he received grace, he was arresting Christians. He was separating and destroying families. He was having people put to death. So he would understand grace more than anyone else. And he found out that he was wrong. He probably carried a lot of guilt around for a very long time, I'm sure. But in light of God's grace, Paul warned the Gentiles not to be arrogant, not to think more highly of themselves than they ought to. They thought they were special now, and Jews were rejected, but that wasn't the case. So God had just decided to bring the gospel to everyone so that all may have a chance to be saved. So these Christians were to think with sober judgment. Well, obviously, Paul's not talking about alcohol here. He's not talking about sobering up. To think with sober judgment means to think with a cool and clear head, seriously, sensibly, rationally. That's what it means to have sober judgment, to think with sober judgment. These Gentiles were to think with a cool and clear head. They were to be serious when thinking of themselves. They were to examine themselves. And in the same way, when we are truly honest with ourselves, when we judge ourselves with a clear mind, with a clear head, and we think about God, we think about his mercy, it should bring us back to our senses. It should help us. We should think with sober judgment. We are to judge ourselves with the measure of faith God has given. Some of us have more faith than others. Some of us have a stronger faith than others. Whether we have a lot or a little, whether we have a strong faith or a weak faith, we should judge ourselves with the level of faith we have. We shouldn't try to measure ourselves according to someone else. So I've seen a lot of good preachers and even members, for that matter, who have discouraged themselves because they were measuring themselves to others. We shouldn't do that. Our elder Gary is not Sean, and Sean is not our elder Jim, and Jim is not Chad, etc. We are all different, and we're all at a different place in our lives spiritually. So I need to compare Sean to Sean, and you need to compare yourself to yourself not to someone else. We need to do that, and we need to do what God wants so that we please him. So take a look at verses 4 and 5 now. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So Paul was trying to get these Gentiles to realize that they needed to think about others first before themselves. They're part of a body joined together with Jews now. They weren't, they weren't separate and, and the only people of God now. They had to realize and think differently. 
They needed to understand that they were part of something greater than themselves. And so do we. We need to think and realize we're part of something greater than ourselves. They were part of the body of Christ, the church of which Christ is the head. They were part of God's family. So have you ever thought of that? We belong to each other, and all of us together belong to Christ. We are all part of the olive tree that Paul spoke about in chapter 11, in which each of us is a branch, and Christ is the root. We're part of that olive tree. We're part of a family. We need to think like a family. Sometimes we don't do a very good job of that, do we? So as Paul said, each member belongs to all the others. That's, that's a big statement. That should have sent a clear message to these Gentiles in regards to the way they were behaving, the way they were treating those Jews. And so we come to verses 6 to 8. Let's read those verses. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So Paul gave these Gentiles examples of what spiritual acts of worship look like, what transformation should look like, how it should play out in their lives. And Paul said we all have gifts. Those who Paul wrote to had gifts. Some could prophesy and some could serve wonderfully. Some could teach and lead very well. Some were great providers. Some were really good at encouraging others. And some were very merciful, perhaps, at special, urgent times of need. When you think of people in the hospital, some people are just very good at visiting them and being able to encourage. Love towards others was the key in everything that Paul was saying. He is talking about love here in this chapter and the previous chapter because the Gentiles weren't being very loving. Love is the key. To follow Christ means to love him and to love others. When we serve God and others with the gifts we have, then we are presenting ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And if anyone doubts that love is in view in these passages, take a a look at the last two verses that we're going to look at here in this section. Verses 9 and 10, take a look at what it says. He jumps right into, he says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves. He's trying to get through to the Gentiles, but that message has application for us today. We're to love one another. We're to realize that we are a family. We're to try to use whatever gifts we have to help each other and serve others. I want to conclude as far as the last verses we're going to look at with Hebrews chapter 13, 15 to 17. These are the verses we had for the reading, but I just want us to take a look at them again because I've kind of incorporated that into my lesson. And take a look. Verse 15, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise and fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. And so, our reasonable act of worship. Our reasonable act of worship means not conforming to the pattern of this world, but instead conforming to God's ways. 
Our reasonable act of worship means not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to, but rather think of ourselves with sober judgment. We should always be examining ourselves. We should always be watching out. Our reasonable act of worship means viewing the body of Christ as a family and using whatever gifts we might have to serve the family. We need to serve our family. We are to be devoted to one another in brotherly or sisterly love. And then doing good and sharing with others. This pleases God. That was from the section that we looked at in Hebrews. And then finally, the last thing and what we just read in Hebrews. Our reasonable act of worship means obeying our elders and not being a burden to them. That's important too. They're not paid to do this job. This is strictly volunteer. Let's never forget that. They do it to please God and for the joy it brings them to see people staying faithful to the Lord. It's important for us to realize that our elders care about us and are watching over us. And so we are told we must obey them, and that means to do otherwise would displease God. So do you ever think about that? To not obey the elders means to displease God. Let's be a joy to them. Let's not be a burden to them. And this is our reasonable act of worship. So Paul told these Christians how they could live in order to please God. That message is for us today as well. Pleasing God and true transformation starts with responding to the good news. That's where it begins. The gospel. It is good news for a reason. It is news that can save your life. That's good news. So have you heard and responded to the good news? If not, why not come forward as we sing our invitation song, Be Transformed.